Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Summer at Milestone, who's thrilled to be in the house of God this weekend? Come on, there we go. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It is, it's just such an honor to be with you guys. My name is Chris Stevens. I bring welcome from Knoxville, Tennessee, and all nine of our campuses there, all across the East Tennessee region, and we're ecstatic. It's been looking so forward to this weekend. Man, I love your pastor. Pastor Jeff, you guys do realize you have one of the most incredible men of God in America leading this movement of God. Come on, somebody. Man, awesome, off the chart, he and Brandy. Pray for them as they take some time off. He runs and flies at 50,000 feet, so pray for them. This week, I pray for your pastor every day. And if I can pray for him every day, can y'all? Well, that's 12 of you, can y'all? All right, we're gonna do it, so it's, it's great. Now, if you were here last week, you heard an incredible message at Summer at Milestone from Steve Vigalis. Was that awesome? Off the chart, I watched that, and, and it was, so I found out he is the apostle of paradise. Did y'all hear that? Well, if Steve Vigalis is the apostle of paradise, I am the godfather of Gatlinburg, because we're at the bottom of the Smokies, and so again, uh, just, Thrilled! I believe that God is, has a word for every single one of us this weekend. And so really super static about what God is doing. This message is critical for people that want to win, people that want to grow, people that want to serve the most high God. This message is critical for people who want to build an incredible family, an incredible business, or an incredible small group. Because there's some things that we all face. I'm going to give you some some ideas how to overcome discouragement that's gonna help all of us. Are you with me, is that okay? All right, if you talk back, it's gonna go good. Man, I just, I need, I'm insecure, I need some reinforcement. Are you with me, come on. I, if you're, listen, if this is your first time guest, I'm not the senior pastor. I have hair. <laughs> Lovely hair, he does not, and uh, he's large. I'm not, and so, uh, but hey, we know that you're online this weekend, uh, Pastor, you're watching all of our online audience, we're thrilled, McKinney at all of, all of our locations, we're ecstatic to have you guys this weekend, so we're gonna roll. Just, just so you'll know, I've got, I'm getting to meet you, and I want you guys to get to meet me. Uh, I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, my mom and dad split when I was three, I went through a series of stepdads. I told my mother, she, my mother, she was an incredible mother. She just batted a thousand at marrying losers. And, uh, and because of that, as I went through a series of, of stepdads, I was abused in every way a little boy can be abused. So parents, you need to understand, my mother didn't know that was going on, physical abuse, other abuses. She didn't know some of that stuff was happening until later and she immediately moved to rectify some of that stuff. So, so I'm messed up as a kid. I, I get my first joint when I am 10 years old from my uncle. Now, if, if you are not careful, there is always someone that will take you down the trail of sin. And the sin will take you farther than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you ever wanted to spend. Nobody pops the first top on a cold beer and says, I can't wait till I'm an alcoholic. 
Nobody smokes their first joint and says, one day I'm going to be a crackhead and ruin my life. But see, that's what, that's what, what sin does to us. Are you with me? And so that's where I was. Now, by the time I'm not 18, I'm dealing heavyweight coke. I've got needle tracks up both arms. I'm stoned every day, all day. I've been busted. I've been, been just everything that can happen. And my life is out of control, man. I, I really know how deep the rabbit hole actually goes. And at, at, at 22, I overdose. End up in the hospital, Memorial Hospital in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And there, after two or three days, my head finally clears. I have not been straight for years. Understand, they don't have potluck suppers at the crack house. So in the hospital, nobody came to see me. So after about three days of laying there, my head finally clearing the drugs and alcohol, I began to realize you have ruined your life. If most of us had to kick the person in the rear that has caused us the most damage, we wouldn't be able to sit down for a week because it was me that caused me the damage. And so there in the hospital bed, I remember the gospel. So as a kid, if I could spend the night at my friend's house, I always would. Well, I had a friend who had to go to church, and if I spent the night on Saturday night at his house, that means I had to go to church. And there I heard the gospel, that Jesus died for me, that he loved me, that he had an incredible plan for my life. And if I would surrender to him and make him the Lord of my life, he would take over. And so there I am, 22, and I said, okay, I remember this, I got it. The Spirit of God was moving in that hospital room, and I said, Lord Jesus, I... I heard that you died for me, that you rose from the grave. And I heard that if I would ask you to forgive me, you'd forgive all my sin and it's piled up to the heavens and that you come in my heart. So God, if you do that, you can have me. And holy moly, I had no idea what I was in for. That was 36 years ago. I hadn't gotten over it yet. And my question is, if you meet Jesus and get over him, did you meet him? Is he an acquaintance or is he Lord? And I mean, he just tramped. It was incredible. It was unbelievable. Now, when God got me, he didn't get much. Broken. When God got most of us, he didn't get much. But what I learned later about God is God doesn't need much. If he can part the Red Sea with a stick and feed 25,000 people with a Happy Meal, then he can do anything. We serve a miraculous God, don't we? No matter what you need, our God is able. Milestone, it's incredible. And so our God is, our God is more than able. So I, the doctor came in later. I said, listen, I know what's wrong with me. I'm done. Let me out. He said, great. You're not going to pay the bill anyway. I said, man, you got that right. And so, man, I got it. That was Thursday. I went to my two best friends. Listen, because if, you, if you've lived a lifestyle far from God and you want to follow God, this is the decision you're going to have to make. There's a cost to following Jesus. And so I went to my two best friends. I said, listen, I gave my heart to Jesus yesterday in the hospital. I will never see you again. I'm not partying with you. I'm not hanging with you. I cannot be Jesus' friend and your friend at the same time. So, I, so man, I hope you guys have a great life. That was Thursday, Saturday, Sunday morning. I walked down the aisle at East Lake Baptist Church. That thing was buttoned up, conservative, tight. I mean, suits, jackets, are you with me? This is 1982. I walk in the back door, I've got an afro this big. <laughs> I look like Link on the Mod Squad, or for you, Buckwheat. I mean, I walk in there, I got this giant afro, I got a silk shirt unbuttoned down here, I got a big gold splash, big elephant. Y'all remember those? But they're back again. Big elephant, stacked shoes, and I walked in, and I thought I was cool. 
Those people, that little Baptist church had never seen anything like that. It was, it was crazy. But they loved me. They loved me when I walked in the door. I didn't look like anybody in the building. Milestone, listen. If you're listening, say, I am. I don't care what walks, crawls, slides, glides, flies, hives, dives, or rides through the door of any milestone campus. We're going to love them in the name of Jesus. Are you with me? Come on, that's the heart of your pastor. And we are going to love them. So, so that's just a little bit about me. And, and I, man, I got married to what married, listen, way above, but I so far out of my coverage, like Jeff Peltier. Come on. Are y'all, do y'all know Pastor Jeff? And so I am so far, I'm married, but I, I started dating this, this, this sweet, beautiful young lady. And I found her father was a special investigator for the FBI. <laughs> now, did y'all hear my story? This man has a gun on him 24-7. And so my hands are shaking when I went over to meet her parents because I thought he just put me back in jail. I didn't want to go back. Come on, I'd been free from jail and, and, and all that. So, and so we got married, had three great kids, have four incredible grandkids. Listen, grandkids are the, listen, they're the prize for not killing your children. <laughs> let them live, let them live because you have grandkids and they are wonderful. Holy moly, they're good. And man, I ruin them. I fill them full of sugar. I send them home and laugh because I'm making my children pay for their raising. There's no, there's no question about that. Man, at, at one of my grandkids' one-year-old birthday party, one-year-old, and the, the you know, mom and dad look and they say, hey, this is gonna be her first Taste of sugar. I looked at my wife, Shell, and said, are they smoking crack? Because, <laughs> man, I've been feeding this kid sugar for six months. <laughs> Listen, I found out that kid loved chocolate. <laughs> little JL, my little warrior for God, four years old, man, beautiful little girl. All right, so it's great to be with you. Would y'all agree that Jesus bought for us a victorious ministry? John 10, 10, I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. He bought a victorious life. He bought a victorious ministry. And that is what God wants all of us to experience. So I was in Africa preaching and teaching uh, with Coach Mullins. You guys know the coach. And after, after we were doing John Maxwell stuff, and, and when we got done, we went on a safari. Because you get to like, take pictures, and man, we're out there. And so we're walking, and... And, we, and, and so I walk up now, this, I'm not exaggerating, because you ever heard, he's just preaching, no, this is real. And so I'm walking, and all of a sudden, right here rises up a black mamba. Now, if you know a black mamba, it's the worst, most aggressive, deadly snake on the planet. A black mamba will chase you down and kill you. A 15-foot mamba can stand 10 feet tall and kill a dozen cattle. That's how much venom. And they don't hit you once, they pow, pow, they hit you twice in the head. You take two steps and you die. And I'm eight hours from anywhere. To get where we were in the bush, you had to go nowhere, hang a left, and go four more hours. So it was incredible. So I look and said, oh, wow, that's a mamba. Well, they didn't tell me what to do. And I mean, I am, listen, I'm looking right in death. I, I thought it's a black mamba. The, the, the snake is gray, but its mouth, when it opens, is coffin black. And I thought, I'm going to see Jesus today. 
So don't run, Chris, because if you run, the snake was faster than you. Everything here in Africa is faster than you. <laughs> and so I just slowly backed away. The snake watched him, man, I just, I just backed away from it, thanking God. Now, I was a little discouraged when I ran into that snake, and here's the deal, when you're discouraged, the enemy will always send an attack. Because when you're discouraged, when you're bummed out, you are easy pickings for the enemy. Does that make sense? See, a lion will isolate its prey, cut them out of the herd, and then they will take that down and they will eat that animal while it's alive. And so that's what the devil does. He wants to cut you out of milestone. He wants to cut you out of your small group. He wants to cut you out so he's got easy access. Does this make sense? And when we are bummed out, our tendency is to want to be by ourselves, and we want to isolate because that's where the enemy wants us. Are y'all tracking? If you're not, I can start over. Come on. We can lock the doors and be here all day. Are we good? Come on. All right. Because I'm about to show you this is about to change your life. So, and this is, this is the, anybody want to win in the house? Let me tell you something about, anybody, let me tell you about a champion. Champions are made out of rubber. I say that because champions know how to bounce back. And if you're going to win for God, if you're going to have a great family, great ministry, great business, if you are going to win in any kind, of, any kind of facet in life, you've got to learn to bounce back because we are all going to face issues, are we not? In your marriage, in your ministry, raising kids, you're going to face difficulties. If you're going to be a champion for God, you've got to, you have got to find a way to bounce back. When everybody else is going to quit, you've got to keep going. It's one of the reasons that King David was one of the greatest kings of all of Israel. If you've got a copy of the Word of God, if you'll turn to 1 Samuel. Now, if you didn't grow up in church, grab your iPad, click, up to, click on it. Or go to the New Old Testament, just go about six or seven books and you'll find it. See, when I first got saved, everybody had a Bible in church. There was no such thing as social media or iPhones or anything. A young adult said, are you serious? I mean, there was a world without cell phones? Oh yeah, we talked to people. And <laughs> face to face, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> now people said, you ever look around the restaurant, everybody's got their head down on their phone? We, we, we just now, the Stevens family, when everybody comes over at church for lunch, it's a no cell phone zone. No, no cell phone zone. So, but this is when, so I go to church and, and back then the preacher would say, everybody turn to, y'all remember that if you grew up in church? Well, I would turn and couldn't find it because while other people were doing Bible drills, I was rolling joints. So I didn't know how to find anything in the Bible. And so what I would do is I would look until I heard people quit changing pages and I just stopped wherever I was because I, I didn't want to realize. Man, listen, I didn't know how to handle the sword yet. So then I found out, listen, if you're new, let me give you an incredible, let me get, this will trans, this will change your world. There's an index <laughs> right up front. And so when the pastors say like, turn to John, I go right to the index, John 435. I got it. I got, I, I got it. We know, Chris, we know. So, so it's in 1 Samuel chapter, go ahead and click because not many of you hold an old style kind of paper and you know, leather kind of Bible, but we're gonna, we're gonna camp out in this passage. It's an incredible story. And if, you don't, if you're not familiar with the Bible, if you didn't grow up in church, we are stoked that you're at Milestone. You have come to the right place. 
This is a safe place where you can ask questions and people can help you find out how to walk with God. We are not embarrassed. We are not worried about questions at Milestone. You've come to the right, is that right Milestone? Am I at the right place? All right, so that's the deal. So this, this story is with King David, who is in the lineage of Jesus, who is an incredible, one of the greatest kings of all of Israel. And one of the reasons he was a great king, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart, but he knew how to bounce back when everything just came loose. Does that make sense? And so we've got to learn to do it or we're going to be in trouble. So let's look at verse one and two. It's on the screen behind me. Then it happened. Stop. Look up here. So glad you have your Bibles. Then it happened. See, I could walk around with a microphone and just let you finish right there. Then it happened, I lost my family. Then it happened, I got fired. Then it happened, the doctor said cancer. Then it happened, I, I, you know, our kid went, went prodigal. Then it happened, we went bankrupt. Are y'all with me? See, then it happened, we all experienced then it happened. The question is, what are you gonna do when it does? So, so what happens, then it happened when David and his men came from Ziklag, that's where David lived at that point. The king of Israel, his name was Saul, is trying to kill David because he knows David's gonna be the next king. And he makes a raid on the Negev, the Amalekites, enemies of the people of God. They came and made a raid on the Negev and the Ziklag and they had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. They took captive all the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and they carried them off and went their way. Now, I'm going to give you six ways to bounce back. Six ways to bounce back if we get through them all, because last night they didn't listen fast enough. And so, but y'all look more spiritual. Is that right? Is this the spiritual service? Come on, McKinney. Is this the spiritual online? And so, so this is what you really want to call a bad day. So David and his boys been on a three-day business trip. They come back home. All their homes are burned down. Their life savings are gone. Their wives and children are taken. Everything they spent their whole life to amass is gone. And there they pull up to their town. It is leveled in ashes and there's nothing left. That's a bad day. That's a, a really bad, horrible day. See, most of us, when we've had a bad day, we can go home and complain to our family about how uncool our bosses are. There was nobody. There is, a matter of fact, they don't even know if anyone is left alive. We don't find this out until later that, that night. Then when David and his men came to the city, verse three, behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives and their sons and, and their daughters had been taken captive. Listen, then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and they wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Have you ever been so broken you cried until there wasn't a tear left in the duct? Have you wept until there was no energy to fill your lungs to sob anymore? That's what's going on right here. Now, David had two wives that had been taken captive and didn't know them, the Jezreelitess and Abigail. But hey, when you can't, when you can't pronounce a Hebrew word, say it real fast. <laughs> That's what I do. And somebody will stop me after church and say, I don't think you pronounce that right. I said, listen, Hebrew wasn't spoken for 1,500 years. How do you know? <laughs> so he had two wives. Obviously, it was the first one. <laughs> hey, there's no reason to act spiritual. Let's just be raw and real. Are y'all with me? Come on. Now, if I come to the right place, just be open and honest. All right. 
So he's got two wives and then Abigail, the, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, I can say her name. Listen, so this is how bad, but for the leader, before the leader, look at verse six, David was greatly di distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. I'm not talking about recreationally. Some of y'all will get that during lunch. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. Look, look, look right here. Here's the key to the message. Are you see it up there? But David did what? Come on, let's say it together. Strengthen himself in the Lord his God. You want to know how to bounce back? You want to know how to be made of rubber? Do you want to know how to be a champion for God? You learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord God of heaven. Listen, I don't care what the world dishes out. If you'll do that, because champions are made of rubber, you can move on. Now, listen, we've all had bad days, but I want you to understand something. When things go bad, we always blame the leader. Don't we? How many times did the committee meet to kill Moses? They killed Jesus. They killed the prophets. They, they assassinated 10 of Jesus' apostles. So we're talking about, listen, leadership is a dangerous position. And you've got an incredible pastor. I love, man, listen, I love your pastor. Man, when, when, if I need encouragement, I'm going to call him because, man, he's a man of faith. He's, he's an encourager. And so, so I, I love him. But leadership is not proven in the good times. Leadership is proven in the bad times. See, because many of you weren't around when we were in the shopping center at Milestone. Many of you weren't around when we didn't have enough place and enough parking enough. See, the question is, Milestone, listen, we're growing and it's the middle of the summer at, the, uh, summer at Milestone, but listen, in a few weeks when everybody goes back to school, are we gonna be willing to do what it takes to take Milestone to the next level? Which is maybe to go to an off-time service? Are you with me? At 12.30 or Saturday, or, or, is it okay? Can, can I be real? Come on, are we, see, we're, we're at Milestone, we're contributors, we're not consumers. That's what the typical church member is. So, so when you look at your pastor, when everything is going up and to the right, the leader's incredible. David, everybody who's had all this stuff, but then when they come home and it's all gone, we're killing David. So when at Milestone, when the enemy unlaunches all of hell, are we still gonna lift up the hands of Pastor Jeff? Are we still gonna pray for our pastor? Because listen, when you've got momentum, you look better than you, you are. When you don't have any, you look way worse than you really are. So listen, I wanna challenge you to love your pastor. Man, I, I can say it, I am one, I are one, I've been one, man. And listen, a pastor needs men and women who will walk with them regardless. Are you out there? I hear you breathing. Come on. Matter of fact, listen again, the pastor is on vacation, needed, come on, can we just give him right now while he's watching this, hey, Pastor Jeff, we love you, man, we love you, this church loves you, get some rest, come back fired up, ready to rock and roll, All right, y'all not listening fast enough, so, so one of the in incredible abilities of David was to strengthen himself in the Lord his God. It's critical that you encourage yourself in the Lord because you're going to hit some spots in your life when nobody else is going to be your cheerleader. And if you don't strengthen yourself, 
When you find out something's gone wrong in your family, when you find out one of your kids has stepped into stupid, when you find out that, man, they're about to let go about 100 people where you work, when you realize there are points in your life, and Jesus promised us in this world you're going to have tribulation. So we understand that's coming. We've got to be able to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. All right. So it's, if you're going to lead people, you've got to be able to bounce back. Let me tell you one more thing. I'm going to give you six. I'm not going to give you six. I lied. I'm going to try to give you four. This is a multi-layered lesson learned over 36 years of ministry. I keep learning it and learning it and learning it better the next time. So number one, if you're going to bounce back, if you're going to strengthen yourself the Lord, you've got to value prayer. Listen, we all say that. Oh, yeah, pastor, man. Oh, yeah, man, it's so important. Is it on your calendar? Because if it's important, it's on your calendar. If I were to get your iPhone and look, where would I see prayer? Is it in there anywhere? Because see, what matters to you, budget in your calendar. Well, yeah, but you don't understand I'm busy. If you're too busy to pray, you've got some wrong priorities. Can I be so bold? Are you okay? Man, you've got, listen, if, when Jesus was here, if he put prayer as his number one priority and he needed it, then so do we. It's, it is so important. Number two, you got to commit to a spiritual family. Milestone is a spiritual family. Now, you may be brand new and you say, how can it be a family? That's so big. You know, I sort of like a little church. I wish it was like it was in the Bible times. Really? Because if you've ever read the book of Acts, there were 120 people in the upper room and they had their first service and 3,000 people got saved and joined. The next week, 5,000 more. So at the end of eight days, the early church was 8,120 people strong. Eight days. So listen, when God's in, he wants to do something big. We serve a big God who can handle. So we got to commit. This is a family. And it's so important that we have brothers and sisters. Listen, if no one knows your deep, dark secrets, you are in deep trouble. I'm not telling you to tell everybody everything, but you need a couple brothers. You need a couple sisters, guy on guy, gal on gal. You need some people who you could be raw and real and tell where you really are. Does that make sense? Because what you leave in the dark, the devil owns, and he will beat you to death with it. The reason that I'm so free of my testimony is because, man, when I first got saved, I drug all that crap into the light and God healed it all. People tell me, Chris, did you go to counseling because all that abuse and drugs and, man, all that stuff, weren't you jacked up? I was till the Spirit of God flooded my heart. Now, if you need counseling, I'm not saying that, but what I did, listen, listen, I drug everything into the light. I said, here, will somebody help me with this? Because this is what I used to be and this is what I am. And I thought because I hadn't grown up in church, that's what everybody did. Boy, was I wrong. So I walk in and say, hey, man, I was a drug dealer and dope addict and abusing And they said, you got to tell everybody. And I said, well, everybody's got a story. Mine's no different. Oh, no, man, yours is different. Mine's no different. Most people just hide their stuff. And when you hide it, the devil owns it. And he will beat you to death with it. He will bring shame on you. The same shame that Jesus paid for on the cross, the devil will cover you with. Because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, even though God came to give us life. Does this make sense? So number, number two, you got to commit to a spiritual family, man. Commit to milestone. The good, the bad, the ugly. Are you with me? 
the good times, the sad times, the glad times, the bad times. This is my family. Listen, you don't leave your family. Pastor Jeff is my pastor, man. I'm committed to Milestone, man. That's just, that's the deal. Number three, are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, you got to store the word of God up. Verse seven and eight. Then David said to Abathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, please bring me the ephod, the priestly robe. So Abathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And he said, And pursue them, for you will surely overtake them, and you will surely rescue all. That's the first time anybody knew their family was still alive. Now, everybody else is over there passed out from weeping. The committee is meeting about how they're going to kill David. And while all that's going on, David is in praying. Man, he is reminding himself. He is walking and, man, he is asking God to move. So he inquires of God. Psalms 119.11, your word, O Lord, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Can I ask you a question? What are you hiding in your heart? See, some of us, listen, we know more about the Aggies football score, R-U-T, the wrong orange, by the way, or, remember, I'm the, I'm the godfather of Gallenberg, so we're all walls up there. So, let's, are, does this make sense? Are y'all, I can start over, are y'all with me? Come on, you will miss lunch. What are you hiding in your heart? <laughs> the reason, y'all like to have fun in the house of God. Because you had the funniest pastor in America. You should enjoy having fun. See, why could David boldly march out? Because David had a word from God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema, the rhema, the revelation of God to you through his word. Man, the revelation. So, so what? see, the Bible belongs not on the shelf. It belongs in your heart. Your word have I hid in my heart. Come on. How many of you got a word from God? Man, you got to have a word. I've taught our folks to have a daily confession. Every year we write a book for January for our campus. And I write a daily confession for 31 days every day, man, in my prayer time, which is my number one priority. Today is going to be an incredible day. The joy of the Lord is my strength today. I have the power of God. I'm anointed for today. I'm strong for today. I'm healed today. I'm going to see miracles today. I'm going to get a chance to share Jesus with somebody today. My family's going to walk in victory today. I can't believe what you're going to do in this incredible day that the Lord has made today. It's going to be an explosive, awesome day. That's how I begin my day. How about y'all? That's just how I begin it. Listen, we ought to be big faith kind of people. BHAGs, big, holy, audacious goals. We ought to be through. So you've got you've you to have a word. My question is, do we stand on the promise or do we stumble in the process? Because see, we stumble when we get bummed out because we don't have the word of God hidden in my heart. Are you with me? I'm hurrying. Number four. And if you're one of those obsessive, compulsive people, can I just tell you, I'm not going to get to five or six. You're not going to maybe eat lunch. I feel very good about that. I'm just going to be honest with you. So number four, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. You got to keep reminders. Or actually, the, yesterday when I was praying, listen, don't keep reminders, keep milestones. See, this is a place of spiritual milestones. This is where thousands of people have been saved, have been set free, been filled with the Spirit of God, been called, been marked, been sealed. This is where people have been married. This is where people have entered the ministry. This is where people have called. This house, this place, this church is a place of milestones. Are y'all with me? Come on, you gotta remember them. You gotta keep them. 
You got to keep them with you. You got to keep those memorials. You got to keep them. You know what David had in his tent? He had the sword of Goliath. Now, even if you didn't go to church, you probably know the story of David and Goliath. The little boy with a slingshot. He kills a giant. He keeps his sword. Not to use the sword because the sword was too big for David to swing. You know what it was? It was a reminder to David every day. And he walked out to battle. Hey, I killed the giant. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. And today I'm going to win too. God has been faithful in the past. He'll be faithful in the future. I've got the word of God in my heart. I've got the victories in the rear view mirror. I'm just going to strengthen. I'm just going to bask. I'm just going to be washed with all that God has done. This is what you do when you're bummed out. Are you with me? Is this what you want to do when you're bummed out? No, you want to waller in your misery and tell everybody, invite them all to your black tie pity party. Come on. How do you know? Because that's what we all do. We're all broken. We came from, all came from a crooked farmer and a drunken sailor. You didn't grow up at church. I'm sorry. Somebody will tell you who that is. So now get the picture. The committee's meeting to kill David. Everybody else is weep till they can't do anything else. They believe all their family is killed. David's over there. David's over there preaching to himself. He's over there getting with God. Then he, he goes and gets the ephod. Then he's got a word from God. He rallies the troops. He said, hey, boys, I got a word from God. I've got the sword of God, and we are going to go get our stuff back. Aren't you sick and tired of the devil taking people's stuff? I want my marriage back. I want my joy back. I want my kids back. I want my business back. I want the glory of God back. I want the power of God. Are y'all with me? The devil's a thief, and we are taking it back, Jack. Come on, somebody give God some praise in the house. Woo, my mercy. Holy moly. This last two points are so good. That's <laughs> got an evil side. I'm not completely full of spirit. I still have a little meanness left. So they go. They, they, they go. They get all their stuff back. They get their children back. They get more stuff than they lost. And they come back. And when they get back to camp the next day, oh, oh, somebody brings word to David, hey, Saul was killed yesterday. On the day, your worst day, while you were strengthening yourself in the Lord, God was opening up the throne of Israel. Listen to me. When you're bummed out and you don't think you can go any farther and you think there's no hope in the future because if there's no hope in the future, there's no power in the present. So the enemy wants to keep you beaten down thinking, listen, while David thought it was the worst day of his life, he ended that day with more than he began the day and the throne, of, the throne of the nation of Israel opened up and God opened the windows of heaven. I don't know what you've lost. I don't know what you need back. It may be at your health. Maybe it's, man, you've lost the vitality of your marriage. Maybe you used to serve at Milestone and you got burned out. Maybe you've got a prodigal. Listen, I don't know what you have lost, but I'm telling you, listen, I know this is an Old Testament story, but it has New Testament 21st century implications. If we will strengthen ourselves in the Lord, while we think there is no hope in the future, God will open up doors. God will open up windows. God will bless you while you're asleep. You will think there is no way I could get out of this and before the day over, God will come through and say, let me show you what I can do because our God is all-powerful, limitless, all-knowing, sovereign, supernatural creator of the universe. 
So he said, but pastor, you don't understand what I walked in with. I really don't, but I'm telling you, I know who else walked in it. It is God. And he said, just like the worship leader, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. I will walk with you. I will bless you. I will move in your life. Listen, the world has cast God in such an ugly light that maybe you're here this weekend, if you've never met God, can I tell you from an old, washed out, used up, drug addict and dope dealer, when I met Jesus 36 years ago, it's been a rocket sled ride. I have the joy of the Lord. Listen, it is incredible walking with God. Does anybody, does anybody walk with God want to testify? Come on, somebody. So maybe you're ready this weekend to open your heart up and say, man, I want Jesus. You say, but I don't think Jesus would want me, Pastor. You don't understand what I've done. No, you don't understand the scandalous, ridiculous, unbelievable grace of God that would pick up a wretch like me and save me and use me. Listen, if he'll do it with me, think what he might do with you. Woo, if you'd have met me in 1982 before I got saved, I want to promise you, my, my wife's dad would have shot me had I walked up to that house, B.C., before Christ. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So, man, if you're ready, Jesus is ready. If you'll just say, save me, come in my heart. You can have my life. Be my Lord. He'll do it. Others of you are struggling with stuff. Can I tell you, our God is able. Y'all believe that? So you've got to believe God's able or you'll never strengthen yourself in him. God sent me here to strengthen somebody this weekend whose hands, are, whose hands are weak and whose knees are feeble because you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm here to tell you, God will make a table before you in the presence of your enemies and you will walk in his glory. God, Father, Abba, great King of eternity, Lord, we bless you, God. We bless you with lifted hands at Milestone across all of our campuses, online, Lord McKinney. Across, we lift our hands and we believe that you are able, God, that you are more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think or imagine. We believe that you're gonna send out a move of God at Milestone that it's going to explode in the transformation of another generation. God, we believe that you're going to do an incredible work. Father, we pray for Pastor Jeff and Brandy. We pray for incredible rest as, Lord, you, you let them just back off the battlefield for a few days and, and just stop. Lord, would you give him great rhema and revelation as he rests? God, this summer at Milestone is incredible. And, Father, there are good people. there's some people right now that are opening their hearts to you, God. There's some people that are looking to you with a little bit more hope than they walked in with. God, I believe that you're able. So God, will you light us up? Will you move in glory and power? Will you show yourself mighty to save, mighty to heal, and mighty to move? We believe it and we receive it. And in Jesus' name, we pray it. Everybody at Milestone said, come on, somebody give God a shout of praise in the house. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 